0: Thanks, Kelly. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. I am uh, I'm excited about this message. That's um, uh, some of the, some of my favorite verses in all of Scripture are in Philippians 2, and we get to think deeply about them today. Um, I think, I, I want to like lay out for us like the heart of, of this message, the heart of this passage, uh, and the, really the heart of this little mini-series that we're in. Uh, for those of you who are our guests here, we're kind of in the middle of a, a three-part uh, sort of trilogy. We did Beauty or Beast, where the, the church can be beautiful or can be beastly for, uh, I don't know, seven or eight weeks leading up to this. And now we're in the middle of a, of a three-part series, kind of in the middle of this. Where we're examining the character of Jesus. Um, and the, the prayer that, that I have for us as a church is that may, may this church reflect the character of Jesus. And and if we want this church to reflect the character of Jesus, we do well to study what that character is. So um, may we display the character of Jesus in in our lives. Um, In the passage today, uh, the character trait that we'll kind of zone in on and spend most of our time with is is a character trait of of humility. Jesus was humble. Jesus is humble. Uh, Don Carson uh, writes this. Jesus is the paradigm of genuine spiritual progress. And here's where he starts talking about humility. Not a self-aggrandizing struggle for supremacy, but a deep love for God and neighbor shown in deeds of service. Think about that, that what's coming after the colon there. Not a self-aggrandizing struggle for supremacy. Um, the word supremacy in light of yesterday, means a whole lot, right? The struggle for supremacy. Christ, having ultimate supremacy, in humility, gave himself up. Um, and the result of that, according to Carson, he's not worried about self, he's worried about a deep love for God and neighbor shown in deeds of service, Um. The character of Jesus' humility reveals in us and encourages us and sends us to go and love and serve. Um, The humility of Jesus as we see it today is very simply like this. I think Uh, think this is a a good illustration of uh, there's times where I'm really tired. It's been a long day or it's been a hard day or it's been a hard week or a hard month or whatever. And I'm laying on the sofa and I just want to just exhale. You guys ever been there? Where you just need to sit on the sofa and exhale or wherever your sofa is in your house. And then Cooper will come up to me and say, dad, let's play catch. And it's, it's really simple and, and chuckle worthy, but humility says in that moment, yes, let's go play catch. Um, and that is, I think, the, the heart of this passage. A kid asking his dad to play catch and... The dad saying yes, because he has assigned more worth to the child than he has to himself. Um, let's, let's dig into the passage. We're going to spend a lot of time in the first couple of verses here, um, and then kind of go quickly as, as we keep proceeding. Um, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourself. Um, I want to direct your attention for a second. You see rivalry up there? And in your Bible, if you have an ESV that's maybe a couple of years old, you're going to see selfish ambition. But if you go out and, and try to find like a, a new version of the ESV, this word is changed to rivalry. This word is a better word than selfish ambition. And rivalry here, the, the, the deeper context of it is, is electioneering. It, the, the strict definition, the strict Greek definition is a desire to put oneself forward, a partisan or fractious spirit, electioneering. Um, this word, before, the new t- before Paul wrote it here, it, was o- it only appeared in Aristotle's writings, where it denotes a self-seeking pursuit of political office, a self-seeking pursuit of political office. So the, the facts are, the, the way this is written is Paul is borrowing from the language of the culture to put it into a gospel context. So he's saying, don't do anything... Whose sole purpose is to make somebody else look bad so that you can look good and so here's my i 'm just going to let you into to my brain and my process right now um, my My struggle is we can get we can get caught up in the definitions of the words and lose what Jesus is very simply and practically saying to you in this moment. He's saying to you, don't do anything that's designed to make somebody else look bad so that you can look good. Don't do that. So, like, I, I feel like I can get a, a handle on us in leading us to that idea, that get past the words and understand these are commands for us to believe. But the one step further is this is revealing who Jesus is. Like, Jesus didn't have to try to be this. He is this. We have to try to be this. Because we aren't this. And that's... That's the, the very definition of the gospel. There's something outside of us that we can't attain for ourselves and we need something outside of us to allow us to be able to experience it and attain us. And, and this is the heart of it, this word rivalry, because the natural reaction of our lives is to have rivalry because we desperately want people to accept us, to see us, to, to appreciate us. But what Christ is saying with his life and what Paul is saying about Christ's life is don't do that like he this is let's let's just be really simple here so many times scripture is filled with what what did that just say I don't understand like help me understand we need somebody to help us like a commentator to teach us the like all that Scripture's saying this is really simple it says don't do that don't do that the second word there is conceit. And it, word, it means groundless self-esteem. Don't have groundless self-esteem. And at, at the heart of this message is there is there's literally nothing in you, there's nothing in me that's worth anything that wasn't put there by God. Understand that about yourself. Understand that about me. Understand that about your other leaders. There's nothing in them that's of any value or significance or worthy of following. There's nothing about Paul who wrote this. There's nothing about the person who you idolize the most on this this world or that you respect and admire the most. There's nothing in them that was not put there by God. Groundless self-esteem. Does that like this is, this is a character trait for me that like makes me wanna punch somebody. Makes me, if like somebody that has groundless self-esteem. Here, here's the deal. Um, I've used this illustration before in years past and I'm an old guy so I'm gonna say uh, a, another, like Shaquille O'Neal when he would dunk a basketball and he would like showboat, would, like that drives me crazy. He didn't do anything to be seven three. What like you should be able to dunk a basketball. Right? Like, what did he do to be able to do that? Every human being who's seven just yippee, great, good for you. You didn't do anything to be seven three. And that's the idea of, of this passage, this this notion, this, this groundless self esteem. Hey, look at me, what I can do. No, look at what God has done in me. That's the heart of this. That's the heart of the gospel. That's the heart of what Paul is trying to reveal about the character of Jesus. Um, the, the next word to look at here, do not do anything from selfish ambition or rivalry or conceit, but in humility. Um, Andrew Murray wrote a book called Humility. You guys should all get it. You can probably find a free PDF online somewhere. Um, Early on in the stages of North Church, we studied this. Some of you who have been here a while. You might remember the small group ministry we did when we read this book together. It's an incredible book. Um, And a simple definition of humility that Angie Murray has in that book is humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. Humility is the displacement of self by the enthronement of God. Like My desires that I want to have, I push them aside, I displace my selfish desires, and replace them with the enthronement of God. Like, that language, enthronement, means I see you as ruler and king, and I do what you want me to do. That's really big, guys. That's really big. I do what you want me to do. Um... Humility is the soil from which the grace gifts of God flow. Let me tell you this about humility. The the root of humiliation is humility. Humiliation is something that we never want. I don't want to be humiliated. But at its root is humility. Um, Let me tell you a story. When I was uh, a sophomore in high school, I had uh, torn ligaments in my ankle and I was on crutches And the only crutches that Walgreens had were wooden crutches without rubber tips on them. And so they were really slippery. And McClure High School had tile floors and tile stairs. And those, you know, they they don't really work. Uh, I am walking between classes with, uh, got crutches and uh, like an armful of books and crutches and two friends who... We're tripping who because not helping me at all, and I, I get about halfway down this maybe twelve stairs and start to like the crutches slip, and you guys know the worst thing that can happen in high school is for you to fall down, right <laughs> and so what happened for me is i 'm trying to catch myself, and as I do I, I, I fling myself up like this, and this crutch. Flings down the stairs and this crutch flings up the stairs and the books just fly everywhere And it's like you ever been at a like skiing and and like you fall and your skis fall off and And one just kind of starts sliding down the hill That was my crutch down these stairs and the other ones at like at the top of the stairs And so I'm laying there and everybody is around and like The people that are around me are Good enough not to vocally laugh but there is that—that's happening a lot. And when, when, like eight or nine people are doing that, like it begins to get a little vocal. And so I'm laying there, completely laying there, humiliated. The worst thing can happen to a kid. And I, you guys may have have heard me say this before. When I was a sophomore in high school, I was four uh, eleven and weighed ninety six pounds. So I'm this tiny little kid, um, humiliated. And why am I humiliated? Because I look like a complete fool, like there's nothing of value in me, and, and, and I just I want to just go crawl in a, wall, in, a, in a hole somewhere. That's the root of humility, willingly placing yourself in an awkward position like that. Um, there's one more word I want you to see here. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit but in humility count others more significant than yourself count others this is this is an interesting word here it's not see others appropriately it's counting others let me tell you this story my dog hazel when she's eating if you get near her she will growl at you and she's this like, there's no way this dog is ever going to snap at anybody or bite anybody, whatever. But if she's eating, and I walk up and just just even, like, just tap her on, their, on her back or on her shoulder. She uh, raises, like, the lip on her. And she's, she's counting me as a threat to her. I am I'm no threat. I'm, I don't want her food. I'm not going to take her food. I just gave her her food. If I wanted to take it, I wouldn't have given it to her. But in that moment, she... And all that she, like, in the way that she can express herself, growling, she's saying, I see you as a threat to me. I'm not a threat, but she counts me as one. I want you to see that idea in this verse. Let each one of you not only look to his own interests, but also to the... uh, Go back to verse 3. I misread that. Do nothing out of rivalry or self-consent, but in humility count others more significant than yourself it doesn't matter if it's true or not if someone is more important than you or not more important than you your role is to count them as such and again this is a very specific very simple command for us that we can see and apply but understand that this is the character of jesus being revealed And our goal as a church, one of the the foundational purposes and missions of our church is to reflect and reveal the character of Christ in our culture. And there's probably no simpler way for us to do that than to count others more significant than ourselves. You are more important than me. It's the very fabric of our Savior Jesus. Verse 4. Let each one of you not only look to his own interest, but also the interest of others. Um, The language here is kind of open-ended here. Let each one of you look not only to, and that's the open end. And, And what the language is getting at is probably better said to flourish. Let each one of you look to the interest of, to the flourishment of another. And this is like unnatural for us. It's unnatural for you. For every deed that you commit, every sound that comes out of your mouth, every thought that you think is to be about the flourishing of another. That's not natural for you. That's not natural for me. We need to press into that. I sent a tweet out this week. You have smartphones that have alarms. Set an alarm on your phone to go off Daily at this time, or every Tuesday at this time, to remind you of stuff like this. My reason for existence is to help others flourish. You ever been around somebody like that, who just wants to see you flourish? For those of you guys who are who are athletes, you ever had a coach who you just knew his purpose was to make you better? and we're drawn to that aren't we and this is the image of God in us what i desperately want like and you guys have heard me say this hundreds of times thousands of times like i want to see you spiritually flourish that's the heartbeat of who i am there's nothing in this world that i want more than to see you guys spiritually flourish and that's that's not rick That's gospel. I want to see you flourish, and this is the heart that God is, as he reveals the character of Christ, and you can see, obviously, how he counted us as more significant than himself so that we might flourish. That's easy to see, right? Do you need me to walk you through the gospel and and Jesus' death on the cross to to free us from the the slavery of our sin and, and bring us into relationship with God? That's You are more important than I am, and I'm going to cause you to flourish. And this is the kind of thing that also leads you to serve people, to hear people. I want to see you flourish. And this is, like I think, important for you to spend some time considering what is happening in my life. Who is God calling me to count significant to cause them to flourish? And then go and do it. And the likelihood is you're not going to follow through. This, so tell somebody, tell me, tell the person sitting next to you right now. Do that. It's the character of Jesus. It's the gospel. Verse five. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Other translations say attitude. Have this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus. Attitude, have this mind, means this. It's the state of mind that causes your reaction to external circumstances. Um, my kids started, uh, not my kids, Mia, started at the STEAM School this year. STEAM School is a, it's an, a new academy for 6th, seven, 7th, seven, and 8th grade in the ferguson and District, and she was Lucky enough to, to get to go and um, there are there are some very strict rules. They have uniforms. It's a it's a public school and they have uniforms. Like with this big Kyle, please don't ever look at at the the, the crest because it's huge and it would make you stay awake at night. It's so bad. Um, but they've got you know these huge crests and every kid is wearing the same thing and and it, it costs you know. A, I don't know what it was, a couple hundred dollars to, to buy all these uniforms for our kids. And, and so some people are really excited about the uniforms because it gives them ownership and it gives them, um, like, ex- like I've never been able to go to a school where I had a uniform. This gives me pride, and I'm excited about this school and, and all this stuff. But and there's this, this, the, the other piece, the negative piece, is that, man, this costs a lot of money. I can't express myself and with my clothes and, and all that stuff. And so I'm seeing those, these competing voices, and I go to the open house last week, and I'm, there's, there's this, this couple that's talking about this, and, and they're like engaged with each other. I, I, go, I go talk to, to this couple, the negative couple, and that's, I can't believe they won't let us do this. They won't let our kids carry backpacks, and, and you got to put your backpack in your lock. And and everything is negative. And then 10 minutes later, I'm talking to this other family and everything is positive. Isn't this great? Everything is new and fresh and this is incredible. Like these kids would never get a chance to go to a school like this and this is incredible and and these kids from, from poverty stricken areas in our district now get a chance to go and be a part of this incredible school with this incredible new insight of, of how to learn and they get these uniforms and, and it's just incredible and it's great. And I'm I notice that when I'm here it's like and and when I'm here, it's like, yeah, that's incredible. That's great. Because attitude is contagious. And look at, look at what this, that sort of attitude and the contagious effect of its attitude is this. Have this mind, the, the state of mind in which you view external circumstances. That's the definition of have this mind. The state of mind with which you view external circumstances, all that stuff we just talked about, selfish ambition uh, and and humility and and all of those things, it's, it's all what we are called to be and have in this world because it's contagious. The gospel is contagious. And the beautiful part about this verse is not just the command for us to think and have that attitude in our minds, but... It what, it's what comes after the comma in verse 5. It's yours in Christ Jesus. Because of what Jesus has done, all of these things are possible for you. And and here's the point where I want to just kind of back up and let us see the big banner of what's happening here. Don't get confused in the words and, and the details of, of all that we're talking about and see That this is your Jesus in front of you. All of these things about conceit and rivalry and humility, Jesus modeled them for you and offers them to you completely and fully. And then he calls you to go and live in this world like that. It's the character of Jesus revealed to us. Verse 6. It's yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. There's that word again, count. While he was completely equivalent to God and had all of the rights as God, he didn't count himself as such. The application here is that Jesus, though he had plenty of rights to be king and lord he laid them down for the flourishing of another like just simply think about that whatever it is you think this world owes you whatever it is you think this world owes you to be like christ is to lay that down for the flourishing of somebody else To reflect the character of Jesus is, I don't care what I'm owed. I want to give to you for your flourishing. It's the gospel, right? It's so simple. More than that, verse 7, he made himself nothing. He made himself nothing. Taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. He made himself nothing nothing. John Piper says he laid down all of his legitimate entitlements. Think about that. Jesus laid down all of his legitimate entitlements. It's beautiful. The New Living Translation says he didn't cling to his rights. Verse 8, and being found in human form, the ultimate humility for Jesus to be found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is the perfect attitude of Christ. And it's yours. In just a second, we're going to partake of communion. Um. If you're a guest of ours, if you've received Christ as your Savior, you are welcome to join in this with us. We invite you to do that. But I want you to see and I want you to experience the humility of Christ. I want you to feel, I, I need you to feel, Jesus, Not he's completely entitled to call himself Lord. Come down off of the cross and say, no, you guys are all stupid you're the ones that deserve to be up here, not me. But he laid, willingly laid down himself, humiliated himself for your flourishing. And as you come to this table, and as you pick up a piece of bread and dip it into the bowl, you're proclaiming that to your soul and your spirit and understand and and pray that God would cause you to be like Jesus, who though he was God, emptied himself for your flourishing. And may that Send us on a mission. And may that allow us to interact with each other on a mission. And a new piece for us As we forever, we just, we just did juice, but there's wine at both tables as well. Real wine. And, and I want you, as you dip it, if, if you don't want to, that's fine. But if, if you do, I want you to experience the bitter taste of that wine. And I want you to see the humility of Christ in the bitterness of that wine emptying himself, taking on the pain of our world for your flourishing. And then go and reflect that character of Jesus. Let's pray. Father God, I thank you so much for Jesus. God, I pray that you would reveal the character of Jesus to our souls. I pray that you would reveal it in such a way as to send us with your character God change our hearts Lord God I confess before you and before these people that I want for myself I repent of that and I ask you to fill me with your desires only that I might seek to see others flourish count them more significant than myself as your son Jesus did God, may you change us, please. Please change us. Guide us now as we respond to your word, to your truth, Father. We love you. And we give these next few moments over to you to do with as you will. In Christ's perfect name, amen.